you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode number 65 of the Bantam Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? How was everyone's weekend? Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Happy Lakers Day. I hate the Lakers and I really want to beat the Lakers, especially after this really, really shitty ass week that the Celtics had. My God. What a terrible week of basketball for the Boston Celtics. Holy guacamole. They go 1-3. They're 27-14 overall. They're currently a half game behind the Raptors. They're a half game up on the 76ers and the Pacers. They're one and a half games behind the Heat. The spots 2-6 to six in the Eastern Conference is literally a two-game difference, and home court will matter so much. It really and truly will. And yeah, I'm already talking playoffs because... Every single one of these games from here on out is going to be important for the Celtics because the Pacers are playing some great basketball as of late. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. 76ers have won three in a row. Uh, the Raptors have won three in a row. And the Celtics have lost three in a row. So, the Heat and the Pistons are really not that great on the road. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there right there. They're like The Heat are 11-2 and two on the road. The Philadelphia 76ers are... 8 and 14 on the road. The Pacers are 11 and 10 on the road. The Raptors are actually pretty good. They're 13 and 7. But the goal for the Boston Celtics is to finish either in the 2-3, the 2-3 or the 3-2. The 2th seed or the 3rd seed. That is the goal. That way you can avoid playing the Milwaukee Bucks until the Eastern Conference Finals and if you make it that far, just pray that you can beat the Bucks. We'll talk about the Bucks game in a little bit. But right now, the Celtics are slipping and it's not looking that great. And sure, you could be, you know, last week when they lost three in a row, you could be like, or two weeks ago, whenever it was, you could say, hey, man, it's the season schedule. Every team goes through bumps in the road. And we could be like, yeah, sure. But the Celtics are four and six in their last 10 games. That can't happen. Beating bad teams is going to be huge for this team. They have to stop playing down to their competition. But when they actually play well to start off the game, good things happen see the Chicago Bulls game last Monday. Celtics win that game 113 to 101. And like I just said, when they start off the game well, great things happen for this basketball team. They won the first quarter 28 to 14. They only allowed 14 points in the first quarter and had a pretty reasonable offensive quarter just to start off the game. That gives everyone confidence, a big lead. You got to love it. Then they held the lead going into the third quarter. It was a little dicey. The Bulls started the third quarter on a 13-2 or 13-4 run, so that was a little annoying. But overall, the Celtics kept their foot on the pedal 
on the gas pedal, and they kept going, and they won the basketball game. The starters played nice. Hayward didn't have a great shooting night, but the starters played pretty nice. Jalen Brown had a solid game. Kemba had a solid game. Even it wasn't like a big number game for Kemba like it was, you know, against the Milwaukee Bucks. He played well. Sure, Hayward didn't shoot the ball very well, but having eight assists and six boards always helps the team out a great deal. Tatum was pretty good in this game, and Daniel Tice did not play in this game, but Ennis Cantor had his best game of the week because Ennis Cantor really wasn't that great the rest of the week this week, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The thing that really stood out for me in this Bulls game, because this was a nice win, you know, they were supposed to win this game, I'm really not going to talk a lot about it, but the Celtics' three-point defense stood out to me because the Bulls, I mean, sure, the Bulls probably could have had an off night, but I'm trying to find every ounce of positivity after this putrid week for the Celtics. The Bulls shot 20% from three for the entire game. Now, do I think maybe, hey, they were on the road, they were tired, blah, 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 blah. Sure. But maybe it was also the Celtics defense too. I thought they closed out in a lot of shots. I thought they contested a lot of shots from three. And so I will give the benefit of the doubt to the Boston Celtics on how they beat the Chicago Bulls 113-101 last Monday, which actually seems like it was six weeks ago. That's how bad this week was for the Celtics. And we'll get right into the bad. Detroit Pistons coming to town. Folks, the Detroit Pistons are 16-27. and 27. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10. They're 8-14 and 14 on the road. They give up 110 points a game. They score 109 points a game. And they destroyed the Celtics. Sure, the loss looks... It doesn't look that bad. 116-103, to 103, they only lost by 13. But the Celtics looked like they were down 45 points the entire game. It was such a bad, bad loss. The Celtics just flat out sucked in this game. They really did. And I understand Tatum wasn't playing. And the team's net rating when he's out is bad. Like, real bad. If you guys see the difference uh, for the Celtics when Tatum's off the floor versus when he's on the floor... It's one of the many reasons why a lot of people believe that Jason Tatum should or could be an all-star this year. And speaking about all-stars, Kemba Walker, holy crap was he terrible in this game. 2 of 11 from the field, 3 turnovers, a minus 15. He just didn't do a lot right. And I do love after the game how he took, you know, he took a lot of the frustration of that loss and said, hey, it was on me. I need to come out better. I need to play better. We all need, you know. And I get that. That's a great leader. I appreciate it. But overall, the team sucked. They played down to their competition, and they have to stop doing that. They played down to their competition against the Phoenix Suns. They played down to their competition against the Detroit Pistons. And it's starting to bother me because here's the thing. Sure, you got the Lakers tonight. If you're listening on Monday, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And if you're listening afterwards, then, well, I'm sorry that I don't have to talk about this, but... You know, obviously the Lakers have the best record in the NBA, so that's a really good team. Then they're playing the Memphis Grizzlies. And folks, to be honest with you, the Memphis Grizzlies, guess what? They have a losing record, as far as I know. Yeah, they're 20 and 22. And then they play the Orlando Magic, who also have a losing record, 20 and 23. And then they play the New Orleans Pelicans, who they recently just absolutely destroyed by 35 points. But the Pelicans almost beat the Clippers last week. And the Celtics couldn't beat the Clippers. So they have to stop playing down in their competition. The Celtics should win every game this week, except for the Lakers game. If they win the Lakers game, uh, trust me, next week's podcast is going to be lit. I might do an emergency post-game podcast. That's how happy I'll be if they can beat the Lakers. But anyways, they play down to their competition, and it's really annoying. Did Jalen Brown have a nice night? 
did he step up because Jason Tatum wasn't playing? Absolutely. 24 points, 12 boards, shot 50% from three. He played really, really well. But someone who played even better than him was Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose had six assists, and then he was 11 of 13 from the field and finished with 22 points. Are you kidding me? I mean, I understand that Derrick Rose has been playing some great basketball the last two seasons after the injury bug, going from different teams, one team to another. I get that, but Derrick Rose going 11 of 13 from the th- 11 of 13 from the field. I mean, those are his MVP numbers when he won the MVP with the Bulls many many years ago. Absolutely crazy. And shout out to him. I mean, I'm happy for Derrick Rose. That kid went through hell and back after he had a couple really bad injuries, and he literally looked like his his old self, but he also looks like he's 50 years old. So that was frustrating. 1,000% frustrating. And speaking of frustration. Ennis Cantor, holy crap, he just sucked in this game. I mean, sure, Drummond was only, you know, he had 13 points, 13 boards, so you're like, oh, that's actually not that bad. But Cantor, I swear to God, just didn't do anything right in this game. And it was beyond frustrating. His terrible defense that I think we all kind of forgot about, Cantor has been playing some really nice basketball of late, and, you you know, you got to appreciate it and respect it, and, and I do. But his defense is so bad. It really and truly is. It's actually kind of funny how bad his defense is. I mean, Cantor was a minus three, six points. He had four, uh, no, he had three boards. Six points and three boards for Ennis Cantor. He was so bad. His defense, his pick and roll defense, the way he hedges, or there, or should I say, doesn't hedge, is, <clears throat> it is infuriating. But, when Cantor, you know, gets like 12 and 12, you're like, oh, yeah, who cares about his defense? Because he really stepped up off the bench. He filled his role well. But, wow, he he didn't rebound the ball. And it <laughs> three rebounds? Three rebounds. Grant Williams had four. Jalen Brown had 12. And the rest of the team, you know, a couple here, a couple there. Keep Like, Romeo Langford had three rebounds in this game. Come on, Cantor. You can't have the same amount of rebounds as Romeo Langford. Get over it. Come on. But anyways, because of that, welcome to a really, really short edition of Cantor Banter compared to the last, what, three weeks when each one's been like 40 seconds long. Hit the music. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor Banter, baby. Wow! Okay, let's get into the Bucks game. The Bucks lose. Uh, I'm sorry, the Celtics lose to the Bucks, one twenty eight to one twenty three. Kind of like the the opposite of the Pistons game, where the Celtics were like, "Wow, they only lost by five. Yeah, but they got blown the f out. They really did. I mean, the Celtics were down fifty eight to thirty or fifty eight to thirty one with like five or six minutes to go in the second quarter." You can blame another bad start if you want to. I don't know what Brad Stevens has to do to get this team to start better, but he has to figure out something. Brad Stevens, guys, has really not done a great job coaching this team as of late, and I understand he's in a tough spot. There's a lot of injuries, a lot of tough lineups to find. That's fine. It is. 
But man, oh man, he, like <sighs> it's frustrating to see how bad this team starts basketball games. It's like I'm like really pissed off when I talk about it. Like the Celtics went one of eleven from three, but the Bucks they went six of eight from three to start the game. It's so bad. The Celtics defense was terrible. They didn't win the minutes when Giannis was off the floor. Just like sometimes they don't win the minutes when Joel Embiid is off the floor when they play the 76ers. I don't understand it. I mean, the Bucks defense and um, defense. The Bucks bench is ridiculous. And they were absolutely ridiculous in this game. They couldn't miss a shot. George Hill, DiVincenzo, you name it. They were great. The Bucks are such a good team. The Bucks play at such a high level, it's ridiculous. It's they're not even on the same planet as most of the teams in the NBA. They are so freaking good. Kemba had a great game. Smart had a great game. Both of them shot the ball very well. I mean, I think to start the game, the first like ten minutes of the game, if not less, Kemba had twenty four points. He really did. And he he kept them in the game, even though they were down twenty seven. It was absolutely crazy. Sure, here's the thing. I I don't want to go on a rant about this, but I might have to because I'm about to go on a rant very shortly. Yeah, I'm trying to say this the right way without sounding like a twat. I don't understand why everyone mentions... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get angry. All right, I don't understand why people care about the fight in teams so much. I really don't give a fuck about it because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to play your dick off for 48 minutes straight of basketball or 60 minutes straight of football or nine innings worth of baseball and what, hockey 60 minutes too? Sure. You're supposed to play hard from start to finish. You're supposed to fight from the beginning to the end of the game. So I want to know when people are like, hey, you know, the Celtics lost by five, but man, they're fighting them. What? They didn't win. I don't give a fuck about the fight that they had in them. They should have played that hard throughout the entire game. Why did all of a sudden they cut the lead down to like five or six? Why couldn't they have done that earlier? Oh, was it because the Bucks probably took their foot off the pedal? Yeah, probably. So I don't, like, what does it do? What are they supposed to, like, give up? I mean, what's the saying? You play until you hear the whistle, right? So that's what the Celtics did. And everyone's like, oh, the fight. You don't get wins because the team had some extra fight, an extra bite in them. It's so it's such a bullshit thing. It really and truly is. The the Celtics were not good in this Bucks game. Sure, the Bucks couldn't miss. And it was and it's tough. Second night of a back to back. Everyone's tired. Everyone's hurt. Everyone's sick. I get it. And sure, did they compete and, you know, really cut the lead down? They had an opportunity to probably make it a one-possession game, and it just didn't happen. Sure, we can talk about all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the Celtics sucked to start the game. They put themselves down 27, but, hey, they fought back. And that's what's great about this team. Every Boston team always has a lot of energy and always fights. But you're not going to win shit by fighting. 
Like, you know, you, you know, like, hey, the Celtics lost 128 to 123 to the Bucks, but man, the fight that they had in them. Let's just give them a, a win in the win column and take away that L. No, it's not going to happen, folks. It's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, losing to the Phoenix Suns, Gordon Hayward should have dunked the ball. That's all I'm going to say. Gordon Hayward should have dunked the ball. The Celtics were down 116 to 111, or is it 118 to 111? They were down 116-111 to 111 with like 36, 35, 36 seconds to go. Brad drew up a perfect ATO, basically a couple backdoor screens. Gordon Hayward was left wide open. It was a nice lob pass. I'm having a brain fart on who actually threw it to him, and he missed the layup. He sh- it was like an alley-oop, and he should have just caught it and dunked it. Now, he says don't blame the foot, but clearly, if he could have dunked it, he should have dunked it. So what is going on with Gordon Hayward's foot? Remember a couple weeks ago, Gordon Hayward, or was it a month ago, like right when he returned from his broken hand, Gordon Hayward had a little bit of a sore foot issue, right? Do you guys remember that? I do. And sure, Gordon had a very nice game against, um, not the, was it the Pistons? No, he had a very nice game against the, the Bulls. Didn't have a great game against the Bucks. That's what it was. So, Gordon has shown some flashes of how well he played earlier in the year, but clearly that foot is bothering him. He admits that the foot is bothering him, but like an opportunity like that, dude, just dunk it. He even said after the game he should have dunked it. Just dunk it. 116, 113, probably would have been like 34 seconds left to go. If you know That means there's plenty of opportunity. If they miss or only get a layup, you can come back down on the court with the shot clock. There's so many different things that Gordon... Could have happened if Gordon Hayward just dunked that ball. Is that the reason why they lost? Absolutely not. The reason why they lost is because the Celtics defense, I don't know what has happened to it. I miss it. So we can talk about, hey, they have great fighting and they'll never give up. Cool. Where is their defense? I'd rather have them play their normal defense than be like, wow, they they really fought back from that large deficit again. The Celtics defense over the last five games has been the 17th best defense in the league. Before these five games, they were top four. The defense has to get back to normal. The defense has to keep being aggressive. The defense has to switch better. They have to stop going under screens. They have to stop leaving guys wide open. They like... Mikel Bridges, who is a nice NBA player, went to Villanova, won a couple national champion or a national championship. Coming into this game, or over the last few games, he was shooting 29% from three. That's really bad. So guess what? The Celtics said, go ahead, make our day, try and beat us. He hit a couple. So you're like, okay, maybe it's his night. The Celtics kept leaving him open especially in the fourth quarter, and he finished with over 20 points. And it's so freaking annoying. If if he hits a couple shots, guess what you guys should probably do? I'm going to go out on a limb and say you should probably fucking cover him. You know, maybe not give him, like, so many wide-open looks. I mean, Mikel Bridges probably hit three threes in the fourth quarter, like, in clutch time because he was left wide open. The Celtics looked so confused out there. It was like they were supposed to switch, but they didn't switch. They're not being vocal enough. I don't know. I mean, with Marcus Smart out there, it's hard for them to be a vocal leader. But remember, when Al Horford was with the team, if you had Smart and Al Horford out there, their defense was stellar. It was. 
I understand Jalen Brown didn't play this game, so maybe you could put a little asterisk because he has a sprained thumb, and hopefully he plays in the Lakers game tonight, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, Devin Booker's good. They couldn't figure out what the hell to do with DeAndre Ayton. Cantor couldn't guard him. Tice couldn't guard him. You know, you're not going to bring in Poyola. He ain't going to guard him. Time Lord wouldn't. He, Ayton just is a beast. They don't have anyone to match. Aaron Baines was there. He hit a couple threes. It was nice to see Aaron Baines there. He got a really nice ovation when he got introduced into the game when he came in late in the first quarter. But overall, man, oh, man. What a frustrating week for the Celtics. It it really and truly was. And as much as I want to talk about, like, the players themselves, but, like, you have to talk about the coaching. You guys know I love Brad Stevens. But, like, the Celtics did cut down a big double-digit lead to single digits to get it back to, like, I think it was, like, five with, like, eight or – was it, like, seven or eight minutes to go? And Brad just left a group of guys out there for way too long. Like – it was one of those things where, like, they ha- they got the they cut the lead, and you're like, "Wow, this lineup's actually kind of working, Brad." And then the Suns hit a couple buckets, and you're like, "Brad, call a timeout, change it up, bring the starters in, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And he didn't do it, and that's something Brad Stevens has been doing for the seven years that he's been here, and it's kind of annoying, just leaving lineups in for too long, and it's driving me nuts. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I understand he's in a really tough spot because all these injuries. Can't be great. If you look at the amount of time that Hayward, Brown, Smart, Tatum, and Kemba have played together over the course of a 41-game season, I mean, we're halfway through the season, and I don't even think they've probably played 100 minutes together on the floor. So I understand Brad has to figure out, does, you know, Tremont Edwards, who got called up because Jalen Brown was uh, hurt, I mean, because Kemba didn't play in the Suns game, but, like, does he have to figure out, does Tremont Waters, Marcus Smart, Brad Wanamaker, Gordon Hayward, and Grant Williams work? On paper, you're probably like, no. That's gross. So, I don't know. It's tough for Brad, but sure, Jalen didn't play. Sure, Kemba didn't play. But, I don't know. You can't go 1-3 against the, the Pistons, the Bulls, and the Suns. And, of course, the Bucks. I mean, I was expecting them to lose the, to the Bucks, So I really just wanted a 3-1 week this week but or last week. But this week, it better be 3-1. They better beat the, the Grizzlies. They better beat the Magic. And they better beat the Pelicans. That is, that is a must. But anyways, now that the week's over, let's just talk about the stud and dud of the week. And there is actually, like, one Celtics play. Ooh. An episode burp. Gotta love it. There is one Celtics player that deserves to be the stud. There's too many options for the dud. And I got really frustrated on how poorly Jason Tatum played on my birthday. Because he's like a Duke guy. And Duke lost earlier in the night. So I was hoping like the Dukey would step up for me. So I wouldn't have both Duke and the Celtics lose on my birthday this past Saturday. And by the way, if you reached out to me, uh, thanks so much for the birthday wishes. It is appreciated. But uh, hit the music. It's stud and dud of the week time. Lego. And now. It is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your Celtics stud and dud of the week. The stud is Marcus Smart. He deserves it because he broke a Celtics franchise 
or actually two Celtics franchise records on my birthday. What a birthday gift. The Every single time he shoots it, I'm like, eh, Marcus Smart. This dude, not only did he break the team record for most three-pointers made in a game, he also broke the record for most three-points taken in a game. Marcus Smart went 11 of 22 from three on Saturday night against the Phoenix Suns. He dropped 37 points, which is a career high. He has been shooting the ball very, very well lately, and I'm and I'm glad I'm going to jinx it right here, right now, because I'm complimenting Marcus Smart's shooting. I complained about it last week. He shut me up, and now he's, I'm going to be like, hey, man, he's shooting the ball well. you got to be confident whenever Marcus Smart shoots three, and I guarantee you he goes 0-7 in this Lakers game. Guaranteed from three. But since the Philly game on January 9th, Marcus Smart is shooting 50% from three. Where, you know, last year, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, if he shot 50%, you'd be like, liar. You're lying to me. I mean, he was the one of the two best players on the floor against the Bucks. It was him and Kemba. Those are the only reason why they're in it. Sure, Kate, you know, Tatum eventually ended up having a nice game. I think Tatum dropped like 24 points in that Buck game. He obviously had that awesome hesitation dribble move against one of the Lopez brothers. But he was a plus 25 against the Bulls. He did suck versus the Pistons. But three out of four games, not too shabby for Marcus Smart. He shot the ball really well. He's been shooting the ball well lately, and I hope it can continue. So Marcus Smart for breaking not one, but two franchise records for the Boston Celtics. I mean, Marcus Smart has hit more threes in an NBA game than Larry Bird. Like, what the fuck? Like, what what world are we living in? What? Ugh. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I mean, I'm happy for him. I mean, he works. I mean, Marcus Smart is a Celtic for life. He's everything, you know, that you want the Celtics players to be. And especially, like, after Gordon Hayward missed that layup against the Phoenix Suns on Saturday night, he went right over to him like, hey, man, all good. He's defending him on Twitter, saying how great of a player he is and how it's you can't take him off this team. And he he's just the perfect teammate. Now, the dud is Jason Tatum. And you're like, hey, why? I mean, he didn't play in the Bulls game. He played, I mean, uh, in the Pistons game, he played pretty well against the Bucks, and he played pretty well against the, um, whatchamacallit, the Bulls. And uh, sorry, I literally blocked out there because I'm literally just having flashbacks of some of the stupid-ass things Jason Tatum did in the Suns game. I don't understand why Jason Tatum's ball handling is so bad. Jason Tatum's step-back jumpers this year from three are up. You know, he has like where he's like two feet above the three-point line and he dribbles and takes a step back over the three-point line and sticks it. That's actually like up like 20% versus from what he did last year. So obviously that's good. But this whole dribble, 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 and then it doesn't work out, or if he's on the fast break and he kicks it off of his shin, I can't stand it. He must have had four turnovers. I think he had four or five turnovers in the Suns game, and I think they were all due to bad dribbling. Sure, that hesitation move against Robin Lopez in, on the baseline after he made was Wesley Matthews fall over late in that fourth quarter in the Bucks game, sure, that was sexy, 1,000%. But there are times where I swear to God Jason Tatum forgets that like he's actually dribbling the ball. It, it drives me insane. It really and truly does. Like... <laughs> He'll, he'll dribble too much, 
And then next thing you know, six seconds go off the shot clock, but there was only eight when he got the ball, and he's jacking up a shot. He has to attack more. He has to be more confident with his dribbling. We talked about Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown's ball handling this year has improved a great deal. It's part of my wish list going into the summer that I needed him to improve his ball handling. Jason Tatum needs to do the same thing too. Jason Tatum has to attack more. He has to stop dribbling all the time. And I understand that that's kind of like how his, his game is. That's who he is. We have to accept that. But you shouldn't be dribbling the ball up the court fast looking up to pass the ball because you're supposed to be looking up one when you dribble like you learn that when you're like eight you know look up when you dribble have confidence with the ball I feel like every single time Jason Tatum dribbles the ball and he's like running fast I like cringe because I'm like something terrible is going to happen (sighs) but congratulations to Jason Tatum his uh jersey is the fourth highest selling jersey in the NBA which is cool but um, instead of maybe buying him, buying his jerseys, maybe we can buy him some dribbling lessons from someone. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, let's preview the upcoming week for the Boston Celtics. We'll try to keep it short and sweet because it is the holiday, so I'm going to take a little bit of a break. Anyways, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, Memphis Grizzlies, Orlando Magic, New Orleans Pelicans, all this week for the Boston Celtics. Lakers at 7.30 on Monday. Grizzlies at 7.30 on Wednesday. Both of those games are at TD Garden. And then you have the Magic at 7 o'clock in Orlando. And then you have the New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans at 6 p.m. Let's preview the Lakers game because I would love this Lakers win a great deal. This would be a perfect bladed birthday gift for me. Um, I hate the Lakers. I hate the Lakers more than any sporting organization on the planet. But they are so damn good. I mean, it's Lakers, UNC, Yankees, Dale Earnhardt fans, and I don't know. I don't know who the fifth one is, but those are the top four. I hate the Lakers. I hate the Lakers so much. But they have a top five defense. They have a top five offense. They have single-digit amount of losses. They're very, very good. Rajon Rondo and Anthony Davis are questionable going into this game. Anthony Davis has missed the last handful of games due to a back injury after taking a nasty fall. And if I guarantee you if he returns tonight, he'll probably drop 40 and 20 because there isn't a player on the Boston Celtics that can defend him. He's that good. He's playing at a different level this year. Obviously, having LeBron James with him is helping him a great deal. They're literally going to need to throw everyone at him, whether it's Tice, play. Cantor, smart, <laughs> Grant Williams, even though he's like seven inches shorter, me, the other 18,000, 18, 19,000 people in the building, they like throw everyone at him if he plays because he's just that good. And then you have LeBron James, who is just having a ridiculous year. Of course, LeBron James hates the Celtics. He loves playing in Boston. He always plays well in Boston. That's one thing. I don't think... There's like a handful of guys that play like really well in Boston, Devin Booker being one of them. But LeBron James, I swear to God, like he just goes to a different level whenever he plays the Boston Celtics, especially TD Garden. And I respect the fuck out of it. I really do. I know we all hate him. He's all, we've broken his heart. He's broken our heart. I get it. But he is averaging 34 minutes, 34, 35 minutes a game this year. 10 assists. Seven boards, 24 points a game. That's ridiculous. When LeBron is on the floor, they lead the league in assists. When he's not on the floor, yikes. They also lead the league in field goal percentage. 
because guess what? LeBron James is an elite passer, and he can find everyone. And the fact that the Celtics over the last five games have the 17th best defense in the league, a little nervous, not going to lie. The Celtics need to get back to their top five defensive ways that they're going to play against the top five defense. So minus those two animals that are LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who else do we have to worry about? Well, you start with Kyle Kuzma. He's back. He's fully healthy. He only scores 12 points per, but he has had some great games of late when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are out. He's really taken the next step. You know, hopefully tonight's the night where we can all end the debate because I don't even think it's a a debate, but for some odd reason on the Twitter machine, there is a debate that Kyle Kuzma is on the same level as Jason Tatum. I don't believe that. I think Jason Tatum is much better than Kyle Kuzma. In a lot of different ways, I think you could say maybe Kyle Kuzma's maybe a splash more consistent, but overall, no. Nope, all set. Then you have Contavious Caldwell, Pope, KCP, and Danny Green. Both very streaky, but very good at times. They, you know, KCP can suck, and Danny Green can suck. Danny Green can hit every single three-pointer that comes his way, kind of like the Bucks bench did last Thursday, or... He can miss all of them. Danny Green is a great defender. He can lock up Jalen while LeBron locks up Tatum. So then you have to hope Hayward steps up because I think Hayward's better than Contavious Caldwell Pope. I think we can all agree on that. And then what's Kemba going to do? What's Marcus Smart going to do? I really think if LeBron and Danny Green can slow down Tatum and Brown, it has to be a big Kemba, Smart, and Hayward night. It really and truly, that's how it's going to have to happen. Speaking of locking up people, Avery Bradley. He returns. Not going to lie. Loved Avery Bradley when he was here. It's going to make me feel a little uncomfortable that he's wearing a Lakers uniform. 1,000%. Now, is he the same player as he used to be when he was with the Boston Celtics? Absolutely the fuck not. But he can still defend. Then you have Alex Caruso, who averages like 20 minutes a game. He's a good, high-energy, athletic guy in the bench has to match his energy. He's just one of those guys that can go off and it will piss you off like there's no tomorrow. But it's a thing. The other thing that the Celtics have to re- uh, focus on is rebounding. Rebounding, 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 rebounding. Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee, maybe Anthony Davis. Box him out. In any way, shape, or form, just box him out. They're top five in the league in second chance points. So please, box out. Please, I can't be beaten with second chance points. On the parquet against the Lakers. It can't do it. The Lakers also lead the league in blocks per game. So make them foul you instead of block you. I mean, I, I can't lose to the Lakers if we get out-rebounded by 20 and guys are afraid to drive the hoop when we jack up 45 threes. They're also, you know, the Celtics are a top five free throw shooting team in the league to start the year. It's very impressive. So take that to your advantage. You know you can hit your free throws. So make it happen. Just make it happen. Please, for the love of God. Finally, take care of the basketball. Don't be lazy. Don't give me the cute little Marcus Smart passes because I swear to God, if I see one of those cute little Marcus Smart passes for a turnover, I'll... You want to know why? The Lakers are top five in points off turnovers. They are a very good fast break team. We have to get back on defense. Have to, have to, have to. So that's your Lakers preview. If Anthony Davis doesn't play... Okay. If Anthony Davis plays, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Second game of the week. 
Wednesday night. My nose is running like there's no tomorrow. Holy crap. Sorry about that if I keep sniffling. But the Memphis Grizzlies, that could be a scary game Wednesday at 730 at TD Garden. The Celt- uh, the Grizzlies are 7-1, and 8-1, and one, something like that in the month of January. It's a great start to the year. The Celtics, they're like 4-6 and six to start the month or the year, whatever the hell you want to call it. It's really not ideal. But guess who we get to see, folks? We get to see Brandon Clark. That's right. Brandon Clark is playing in this game. As we all know, I wanted the Boston Celtics to draft him. As we all know, Brandon Clark won the Summer League MVP. Yeah, that's right. He's that good. If <laughs> I honestly think if the Celtics drafted him, he... <laughs> I'm just still like... I know everyone thinks it's ridiculous and we have to deal with it. It is what it is. We have the team. But I don't think our bench would be that bad if Brandon Clark was on this team. I honestly think the Celtics really messed up the draft because you could have Brandon Clark, who is top seven rookie in the league right now, production-wise. You could look at, I think it was SI.com. They redid the draft, and they took like Brandon Clark like eighth, and he got drafted low 20s. That's how good he's been. And then, you know, you look at the Mattis Thibault trade, who's an elite defender. He's shooting the ball well for the 76ers. He's an important part of that 76ers bench. To have Mattis Thibault and Brandon Clark come off the bench, that'd be great. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Grant Williams. I think he does a lot of things right. I love his energy. I love the fact that he's talking about if Tatum, Brown, and Kemba all make the team, he'll dye his hair pink. I absolutely love it. So Grant Williams, Mattis Thibault, if you want to say either or, sure. Give me Grant Williams. It's a push, you know, like whatever. But Brandon Clark has played 21 game, or is playing 21 minutes a game. He's shooting 62% from the field, 40% from three. He's averaging 12 points and six boards. Wouldn't that be nice to have off the bench? Wouldn't it be? Because right now, Romeo Lankford's playing nine minutes a game. He's shooting 40% from the field, 22% from three, and he's averaging two points and one rebound a game. And I understand he hasn't gotten a real chance because he's had some injuries. He's playing behind Tatum and Brown and Hayward. I get all that stuff. It's cute. But Brandon Clark should have been drafted by the Boston Celtics. Brandon Clark should have been taken at 14. Brandon Clark would have made this basketball team better. 1000%. I know we have to live with it, but I am going to cheer the living fuck out of every single time Brandon Clark scores the ball. I really am. Every single time he gets a rebound, makes an assist, I'm going to cheer for him because I will never. I'm, I know I'm being like completely over the top with it, but fuck it. Screw it. Brandon Clark would have made this Boston Celtics team better than what they are. That is a fact. You cannot tell me differently. Romeo Langford, sure. Maybe they drafted Romeo Langford because Gordon Hayward might not be resigning next year and they needed another wing. Fine. But guess what? Brandon Clark is really good. 12 and 6, 21 points a game, 62% from the field. It's incredible. Speaking of incredible, John ja Moran or J.A. Moran, whatever you want to call him, holy crap. What a year he's been having, especially over the last few weeks. He is playing unbelievable basketball. He. Did they beat the Rockets the other night? I think they did, and it was because of him. He had like 25 points, 8 assists. He was fantastic. Then you have Jaron Jackson. He's been playing really well, too. Valanchunas has been playing well for them. Dylan Brooks. 
you know, they got Jay Crowder. They have, I can't wait for every single Boston Celtics fan to boo Grayson Allen as I clap for him. I, the Duke Grayson Allen, not, yeah. Before, before he started tripping people, Grayson Allen, the national champion, Grayson Allen. That's what I'll be cheering for, not the, the asshole his last couple of years at Duke, Grayson Allen. But John Morant and Jaron Jackson are both such exciting players, and all eyes have to be on them. Dylan Brooks is one of those guys that can literally just light you up. If he's, if he's shooting the ball well, he could easily score over 20 points. John Morant. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Jaron Jackson will eat up the boards. Jonas Valanciunas is finally like come back to life ever since he got traded uh, from the Raptors. So it'll be interesting. It'll be nice to see Jay Crowder back. Every I know a lot of Celtics fans enjoy Jay Crowder. A lot of people are talking about maybe even trading for Jay Crowder to get some energy off the bench. Who knows? The Grizzlies can score the basketball. Top 10 team in points per game, and they're actually the number one team in assists per game, but they can't D up. They can't D up for the life of them. So this is going to be another one of those games where the Celtics are going to have to win the game with their defense. And they haven't been able to do that lately, but here's a great time to start before the All-Star break. All right? The other frustrating thing about the Memphis Grizzlies is the fact that we were hoping, I think everyone was hoping that the Grizzlies would suck again, you know, maybe be like a top six, top seven team because, or what I mean by that is like a lottery team, like the top of the draft. Right now, the Celtics are going to get the Memphis Grizzly pick, which is top six protected this year. And then next year it's unprotected. And right now it it looks like they're going to get like the 16th pick in the draft out of it. So they'll have the 16th pick, their pick, and then the Bucks pick. And that's really not ideal. It would have been nice if the Celtics could have gotten, like, the seventh pick, their pick, and the Bucks pick. But, oh well, here we are. Orlando Magic, Friday night in Orlando, 7 o'clock. Um, the Orlando Magic is a team that gave the Celtics a lot of issues last year. I could talk about the really bad game to start the year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um in October last year, we could talk about the game where Hayward passed the ball to Tatum and Kyrie freaked out on him. We could talk about all those things. Right now, currently, the Magic are in the seventh spot. They're a couple games ahead of, or are they in the eighth spot? Either way, they're the seventh or the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. They are a playoff team. They do have a losing record. They're 20-23. and 23. And hopefully the Celtics can turn it around this year against them because they have to play great offense against this team. The Magic are top five in blocks top five in steals, and as of right now, in the month of January, they have the best defensive rating in the NBA. So it's a very good defensive team. So with the Grizzlies, you have to play defense. I'm Yeah, you have to play defense. In this game, you got to score the ball a lot, and you have to rebound the ball too. Rebounding will be a big key in this game since they have so many athletic bigs. I mean, Magic have gotten the third or fourth most rebounds per game in the month of January. The Celtics have the second best rebound percentage in the month of January. So if they keep that up and you can stay even rebounding and you sh- you shoot and score the ball well, good ball movement, you can win this game. I mean, they got Vujicic, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba finally came back, but Time Lord isn't coming back anytime soon. I'm looking for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to have big eight or nine, maybe even 10 rebound games. Like these guys have to get eight or nine rebounds in this game each to keep up with these guys. 
They really and truly do. I mean, they have beaten some great teams. They've beaten the 76ers twice. They've beaten the Lakers. They have beaten the Heat, but they've also lost to the Hawks and the Suns. So they can either be really good or really bad. And someone who's having a career year on this team is Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is playing really, really well, and he always plays well against the Celtics. He is someone that can't that you can't go under screens. I've been noticing a lot the Celtics are really going under screens versus going over screens, but you can't go under screens with Evan Fournier. He's such a good shooter that he can knock those down, and it's going to be really annoying. He will hit those. In his last 10 games, he's shooting 43% overall from the field, which is pretty good. So the Celtics have to keep an eye on that. And then, of course, you know, you have someone like TJ Augustine, one of the most reliable backup point guards in the league. Wanamaker will have to outplay him because we need everything that we can from the bench because Wanamaker hasn't been great over the last couple of weeks, but that's okay. And then finally, the New Orleans Pelicans down in New Orleans. Zion Williamson is supposed to be making his NBA debut on Wednesday, January 22nd, at home against, I think they're playing the, I don't know who they're playing against. Is it the Jazz? Well, they just played the Jazz the other day. Anyways, he's coming back. So will he be playing this game? How will they do? How will they look? Who will guard him? Brad won't have a lot of tape on him on what to do, what the Pelicans do with him, but no one on the Celtics can guard him. I I would love to see if Marcus Smart can. You want to get me all jacked up on Mountain Dew? Let's see if Marcus Smart can hold down Zion Williams, and that will be very interesting. Then you have Brandon Ingram versus Jason Tatum. A couple dookies. Tatum recently dropped 40 points on the pelicans if you guys remember that this what was it two saturdays ago yeah two saturdays ago he did that brandon ingram just dropped 49 points in the utah jazz which was quite the experience to watch um and the pelicans should be much more healthy than they were the last time they played i mean drew holiday and jj reddick will most likely be changing and that obviously changes a lot of things drew holiday is one of the best point guards in the league and jj reddick is my lord and savior and you can't leave him open in any way shape or form so keep an eye out on that um when these two teams played a couple weeks ago, you know, the key was a strong start. I mean, they dropped 41 points in the first quarter and 42 points in the second, in the, I'm sorry, in the third quarter. So that's basically to start the second half. So the theme here is start well, finish well, win basketball games. Like the Pelicans should have a packed house if Zion plays. The Pelicans are like seven and four this month, maybe eight and three, something along those lines. It's their best their best month of basketball to date so far that if Zion's playing on a Sunday afternoon at six o'clock in New Orleans that play is going to be rowdy so it's going to be a tough atmosphere so but I have confidence that the Celtics have more talent and better coaching than the New Orleans Pelicans and can pull off that game so that's it for episode 65 of the Banner Branch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. Thank you for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening as always. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Beat LA. Please, for the love of God, give me a nice belated birthday gift and we'll talk to you guys soon, okay? Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.